That, that song went real good, Brother Daryl. We didn't even have that planned. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to have you tonight. It's good to have our brother evangelist, Brother Clinton, with us tonight. Good to have him. And we're just glad you're all here and bless you. Appreciate what you do for the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? Well, let's go to the book of Romans. How many of you knew that? Romans chapter 3. We're going to finish after tonight. I hope y'all ate before coming. We're going to be here a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans chapter 3. We've been studying Romans now for a while. And the last few weeks, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to get caught up. Just the last two weeks, I'd just bring you to where we're going. It, it, it would really bless you. But in verse 27, I want you to see what it starts off with here. Boasting then. It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. By the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who can justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. So I want us to study some things. And I believe there's going to be some things that come out of this that encourage you. And one of the things we really want to get a hold of, what I believe Paul is doing here, is to break any strings of any form of the spirit of religion. How many of you know we've been set free in Christ Jesus? And one of the things we want to see here tonight, Paul starts off immediately in verse 27. He says, there is no grounds for any human achievement before God wherewith we can boast. He is saying it is impossible for us to boast about anything but what Christ has done for us. There's no basis. The law made it possible for men to boast. The Bible says, just for example, in Psalms 51, verse 16, you don't have to look at it, but David said, if you would receive the sacrifices of animals and tens of thousands of goats, I would give it, but you don't want the sacrifices. There's not enough animals to sacrifice before you. What you want is a broken and a contrite heart. And we find that there was such a spirit of pride among the zealots and among the Jews in the time of Christ because it was all built upon what they could do, how they could perform, how they could wash their hands, how they could eat, how they could not eat on the Sabbath, how they were keeping the law. And, and there was some Gentiles, some Jews going around trying to bring the Gentiles that they were in debt to God. The Jews, they were teaching the Jews were not in debt to God because God is the God of the Jews. But they were teaching that the Gentiles were in debt to God and they were even teaching circumcision and other Jewish rituals because they were saying that in debt to God, that you got to do these works to be pleasing to God. But Paul was saying that they are wrong, and I'm going to give you some more scripture in a minute. Paul was saying you're definitely, it's not about work. It's not about establishing yourself under the law, and we're going to see some things about the law tonight that uh, I believe will give you another vision of many things that Paul would get into time and time again. But the thing that Paul wanted us to see is that there is nothing for us to boast about because Christ Jesus accomplished accomplished law, he fulfilled the law, and we'll see what that means tonight, and he established it for you and I. And there's a scripture in Micah, chapter 6, verse 6. Listen how it says it here. It says, how can I stand before God and show proper respect to the high God? 
I want you to listen to the heart cry here. What can we boast about? And, and this is what the prophet is saying. How can I offer anything to God that will move him? Listen to this. How can I stand before God and show proper respect to the high God? In other words, how can I dance? David danced with all of his might. And when Micah rebuked him, he says, you haven't seen nothing yet. I want to dance even greater. Should I bring an arm loan of offerings topped off with yearling calves? Would God be impressed? I love this in the message. Would God be impressed with thousands of rams, with buckets and barrels of olive oil? And would he be moved if I sacrificed my firstborn child, my precious baby, to counsel my sin? What these, David and what Prophet Micah was saying was, there is nothing we could ever do to say that we are not in debt to God. But Jesus paid the debt so we wouldn't be in debt for God. Now the people, religious people, people who don't, don't understand that, by, but that it's in faith we're in grace, feel like there's some type of work and there's something extra I have to do to be pleasing to God. I've got to give more. I've got to do more. And what they don't, and what, what they don't understand many times is God is trying to say that is, is not in what you can do, but what is Christ has done for us. He's not looking for human uh, achievement here, but what the Jews were trying to tell the Gentiles, you're in debt for God. And Paul is saying, no, there's nobody in debt to God. God is the God of the Jews, just like he's the God of the Gentiles. And what Paul's going to be bringing emphasis here tonight, and we got to understand this too as Gentiles, is that the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles many times try to disunify what God wants to be one. God wants, there's not Jew or Gentile, there's just one, and that's in Christ Jesus. And so that's what Paul was trying to talk here, and he's trying to show people that, it, you know, it's impossible to impress God. He already owns me. I'll give you an example. I have people tell me. And see, when religious people, many times if we fall in the spirit of religion, we feel, well, you know, if I go to church three days a week, that means I'm a better person and God loves me more. If I dress a certain way and I give 20% instead of 10%, God loves me more. And a lot of times we think because we do something that God will owe us and we won't feel like we owe Him. And how many of you know that it's not an owe-to-owe situation? Jesus paid it all. And just like these prophets were saying, you could come with barrels and barrels of oil and you can offer the most tender of lambs and you can even offer your child and God is still saying, you don't move me. I own it all. Don't try to give to me so that I feel like I have to give to you. And let me show you, let me give you an example. I have a number of people t tell me and my wife that tell us, you know, we can see God is blessing y'all. And you know why y'all are blessed? Y'all are blessed because y'all spent all those years on the mission field and did so much sacrifice. And, and God is just rewarding y'all now for what y'all did then. Listen, God does not owe me anything. God does not owe me. God, I didn't spend those years on the mission field for God to now reward us with blessings and all this and that. God does not owe me nothing. Because I didn't do works to earn any reward. Are you getting this? I don't have to work for God to owe me. 
I don't have to try to impress God so that I have God's favor. I already have God's favor, and I want to show it to you. It's all because I, I took a step and accepted Christ. And when I took that step of faith, I got the favor of God upon my life. And there's nothing more I can add to it to make God love me more. He loved me. He loves me as much as he loved Jesus the moment I received him. I do not gain more points with God over the years. I'm in good with God, and you're in good with God. And these Hebrews that I'm going to show you, we're going to study a little bit of the book of Galatians, that Paul really gets upset with the Jews going around trying to show that there's different levels and different ways of gaining God's favor. Look, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It's, he loves you. He loves us. But the boasting comes when I can say, well, you know what? I fast three days a week. I give 20% of my income. I'm in church every time the doors are open. I wear my hair on top of my head so high that I can't walk through the door. I have not wore pants in 15, 20 years. I don't go to the movies. I don't listen to that type of music. I don't eat those type of food. I don't visit with those type of people. So God owes me. I'm boasting about how good I am. And God says, you can fast for the rest of your life. And that don't impress me. God says, you know why nothing you can do can impress me? Because I was impressed with what my son done. And I was so impressed by what Christ did. I love you just like you are. You won my heart because he won my heart. It's, that's why Paul always preaches, if I will boast, I will boast about what Jesus did for me. I will boast about the cross, and I will boast about Christ. And Paul started off here. What's the boasting all about? Where's the boasting? Religion would cause men to try to boast. But how many of you know that there's no way we can ever pay God back? In the past, everyone tried obeying the law because they were motivated by fear. But how many of you know now that we're not under the law, we are motivated by love? Because we love him, we want to serve him. For example, the main reason I would not want to break the law and go to jail, it's not that I fear the jail. I fear looking into the eyes of my wife and my children and telling them, Daddy is guilty and Daddy has to go to jail for a few years. I fear the look in their eyes more than I fear the jail. Why? Because I love them. The jail is a place, but they're my heart. And so it's the same way with God. I'm not fearful of breaking the law. I'm fear of breaking my father's heart. The law could not make the Hebrews perfect, even with the law and the miracles combined. But when they saw Jesus, it made them want to leave their sin and their lifestyle forever. It made them want to leave their old way of living forever because it wasn't fearful of the law of Moses. It was the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So the, the, the more I go into knowing Christ, the more I fall in love with Christ, it's, it's not the works, it's not what I can do. It's just adoring him and loving him for who he is. And that's what Paul is boasting about. In Romans 3.20, he says, Therefore my deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight 
For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what the law was given for, the law was given for us to get a revelation of sin, what sin was. But go with me to Galatians chapter 3. And I want to look at a few things here tonight. In Galatians chapter 3, I want to see something else Paul had to write the Galatians about. And and I want to just study this a few minutes with you. Galatians chapter 3. And and it's, it's what we're talking about here. And he was having to rebuke the Galatians And I'm going to start it with verse 1. It says, Oh foolish Galatians. That message says, You crazy Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Do you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish could you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Here we go. The spirit of religion trying to come in. Did you do anything to receive the Spirit of Christ? Did you do any works? No. You just accepted Christ, didn't you? Yes. Then it's by faith. Now why are you accepting this message by crazy people that you've got to start doing works to to win the Spirit of God? No. You have the Spirit of God. It's not on your own human effort. Verse 4 says, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it is not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. It's because you believe. Somebody shout out. It's because I believe. It's because I believe. You see, this will get all the spirit of religion and condemnation off of you so that you can live free. And I want to tell you something. Paul is zealous about this because Paul is angry at these Jewish evangelists who are going around trying to make the Gentiles get circumcision and live according to the law so they could be more perfect. He is so zealous about Christ because he remembers that when he was Saul of Tarsus, that he was so zealous like the Jews were, that the Gentiles and the Christians need to be handled and they need to be put in jail. And he even killed for the sake of the law. But now he's wanting to fight for the sake of Christ. And it says, in the same way, listen, this is going to be important. We're going to get to this. Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Because of his what? Why was Abraham righteous? Because of his faith. Not because he obeyed the law. Because listen to this. Abraham received a promise 430 years before the law was given. Abraham was blessed 430 years before the law was given. And there was so much emphasis on the law, the Torah. That if you obey the law, if you walk according to the law, if you do all that the law says, then you will be blessed. Nobody was ever able to do it. It was You would never be blessed by obeying the law because you couldn't do it. You were blessed by walking in obedience and loving God and serving God. And it was accounted righteous because Abraham believed. Say believed. Take Abraham. Was Isaac blessed? Isaac was blessed. Was Jacob blessed? Jacob was blessed. Was Joseph blessed? Joseph was blessed. Was Enoch blessed? Enoch was blessed. Was Noah blessed? Noah was blessed. All of them for 430 years were blessed. Not because they had the law, but because they believed in God. Faith connected them to all that God had promised. 
And then people started trying to get religion and, and Christ wasn't enough and they need to do this and that. And it says in verse 7, the, the, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare to the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed his good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. The King James says, in you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. It doesn't have nothing to do with circumcision. It doesn't have nothing to do with, with uh, law or being religious. It has, something by, it has to do with living by faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. We're going to get into this just a little bit. Those who depend upon works are back under the curse. In other words, this is what Paul was saying. You want to be circumcised? You want to get back under the law? Then you're getting back under the curse because the law existed because of the curse. Christ came. He fulfilled the penalty of the curse. He broke the curse so that the blessings would come upon all those who believe. But if you want to walk according, listen, you wonder why there's such a curse over the church. It's because when a religious spirit is in control and everything depends upon what we can do and how we think ourselves and what we can boast about and how good we are and how much we've done and how much we're doing and it's all about works and it's all about programs and all about how good we are and it's about how much we've done. When it's all emphasis upon that and less on Christ, we're going back right underneath the curse. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves boast, but in Christ Jesus. And he says, you want to get back under the law? Guess where you're heading? Under the curse. Under the old nature. Listen to this. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham did. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under the curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey the commands that are written in the book. The, uh, God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It is through what? Faith that a righteous person has life. This is the way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Paul is saying, just like Abraham was blessed before the law, all these people are putting emphasis. You've got to obey the law. You've got to obey the law. You've got to do according to the law. You've got to eat certain meats. You've got to wash a certain way. You've got to do everything the law says so that you can be blessed. Wait a minute. If I understand, Paul says, I know they're going to bring up Abraham, and I know they're going to bring up circumcision, and I know they're going to proclaim that if you want to become sons of Abraham, you're going have to walk according to the law you have to walk according to circumcision but let me correct something if they want to bring up abraham i want to bring up abraham and according to abraham abraham did not have the law abraham had faith 
And because he had faith and he took that step of faith and he walked according to faith and he believed God, he believed what God was telling him, he was accounted righteous. Without the law even existing, he was accounted righteous. Well, Christ came and he fulfilled the law to call us righteous because we accept Christ by faith. We took that step forward. We became Christ. Christ became the curse. We don't have to go back to the law. We don't have to live according to the old man. We don't have to live under the dictates of the flesh. We've been redeemed. We've been freed by the blessing that Christ paid that price for us to set us free. And he's saying, who is telling you all this thing? And he goes on to say, verse 15, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case, God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. That word child is the seed, Jesus. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children. It doesn't say that Abraham's children were the, were the reason that there's going to be a blessing. He was talking about the day Jesus was going to come. Jesus was the child. Jesus was the seed. As it is meant many descendants. Nope. Rather it says to his child. And that of course means Christ. That is what I'm trying to tell you. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled Concealed for 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses, God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise, not as a law. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. When Jesus came, the effect of the Torah, the law, was annulled. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and his people. Now agreement. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we were all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. If anybody, and I'm going to use some of the words here in, in the Greek that Paul was using. But if anybody ever comes and say, well, you know... You, you're, you're not good enough. You're not going to heaven if you don't speak in tongues. You're not going to heaven if you don't dress a certain way. They're under a law of man. And Paul is saying, don't let anyone bewitch you. Don't let the crazy people bewitch you with what they believe is a law. The only thing that exists for a believer is faith in Jesus Christ. And that makes you saved, blessed, and victorious. Faith in Jesus. Because if you give up TV, you can boast that you gave TV up. If you give up a certain hairdo or makeup, you can boast. Look what I gave up for Jesus. And you got your reward because you spoke in front of man. But if you have faith to live for Jesus, and I know people may listen to this, and we live in an area where I could be attacked for this, but like Paul, I don't care. Because Jesus, Paul is speaking in place of Christ. Who is tripping you up, dude? 
to tell you, to tell, <laughs> to tell you that you can't go to heaven if you don't do how I believe. Around here, they'll stop you in the bathroom and, because it's happened to my wife, and they'll ask you, oh, you're a Christian? Yes. Were you baptized only in, in the name of Jesus? No, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, then, to us, you're not baptized. Well, I'm not going to heaven for you. I'm going to heaven because Jesus gave his life for me. I'm not going to heaven according to your regulations. I have faith in Jesus Christ, and he is my Lord and Savior. And Matthew 28 says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So take that to the bank. <laughs> but Paul was strong in this area. He says, you're like my little children. And if they try to push you back that you have to resemble Jews, then you may as well resemble the curse. You want to act like Jews? Then you may as well live under the curse. Because to be a Jew are to live under the law and, and, and identify. If you want to identify with the Jews, you're not identifying with Christ. Therefore, if you're not identifying with Christ, you're not identifying with the blessing. And I believe that's something that's, that is going on now, and I may get attacked from a, another camp for this, but a lot of evangelicals are wanting to become Jewish. I don't need the talit. I have faith in the name above all names. I don't have to dress Jewish, brother, to get my prayers answered. I don't have to follow their holidays. Their holidays pointed towards Christ, so I'm not going to celebrate what the holidays pointed towards. I'm going to celebrate what the holidays brought forth, which is Jesus Christ. We don't have to become Jews, and there's a lot of believers, and we own the Torah too. But let me tell you, the Torah isn't all right. And a lot of people want to fight about the truth because, oh, well, the Torah says, listen... The word law there is the word Torah. If you want to live according to the law or the Torah, you're going to live according to the curse. But if you want to live according to the freedom in Christ Jesus, you're going to live according to faith and spirit. You read Hebrews chapter 11. All those people who walked by faith, they were counted righteous. And they were victorious. And most of them didn't even have the law yet. Now, am I telling you to not disobey the Bible? No, no, I'm not saying that. No, no. I'm just saying that when you start hearing a lot of programs and a lot of rituals and, well, this is what we believe. Well, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, we believe in Jesus. But we also believe this and we also believe that and we also believe that. This is, this is what our belief system is. And you can't be part of our church. If somebody ever tells you you can't be part of our church because this is our belief system, then you just turn around and say, well, I'm going to find another church. Because I believe in Jesus Christ and that makes me a member of the body of Christ and there's one God and it's not the God of the Jews, the God of the Gentiles, the God of the uh, Jehovah Witness, the God of Buddha. It's not, it's not any other God. There's only one God. And he is the God over the Baptists. He's the God over the Pentecostals. He's the God over the Assembly of God. He's the God of the Presbyterian. He's the God of uh, Piccadilly. He's the God, whatever denomination and church that, that one can go to, he's the God over every denomination. And each denomination has truths of the word of God. They do. 
And when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again no matter what church you go to. And even if you do have a flaky, or we may have a flaky belief system. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're my brother and you're my sister. But Paul is zealous about saying, listen, you have sacrificed. This says there, you have sacrificed to gain what you have gained. And he said, before you knew about the law, when you first received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, was there miracles among you? They said, yeah, there was miracles. Well, that was before you knew about the law. All you knew about is the Christ that I presented to you. I came preaching Jesus Christ to you, and he performed signs and wonders and miracles among you. So this is what Paul is saying in Galatians. Why are you going back to all the traditions and to be identified with people of the past and, and, what, and, 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 and rituals and traditions? Why are you going back to be identified with that when, to, to, to gain miracles when you had miracles before you were doing that? What did you have to offer Jesus when you got saved? My sins. Well, when you gave him that, you became born again. And he says, you got the spirit of God when you got saved. Not when you start, not after you get circumcised, not after you stop wearing makeup, not after you put your hair on your head, not after you throw your pants, not after you start doing that stuff. You do not get the spirit of God after all of that. The spirit of God comes inside when you say, Lord Jesus, here's my heart, come in my heart and save me. You got the spirit of God. You don't change yet. You haven't changed yet. You don't have the capability of changing yet. Your spirit's been reborn, but your soul's still backslidden. And this just takes the pressure off, and you go, Whoo! This is great to be a Christian. Amen. And so, I encourage you to do a... If you have time to do a study on this, but... in the Greek, what he says, who, who's these crazy people talking to you? He says, who are these who is bewitching you? He's calling them magicians who are trying to sell what they believe to be truth. When you know and you believed the truth I gave you through Christ. Who are these who are bewitching you? He says, the gospel I gave you and the only gospel there'll ever be as far as I, Paul, goes is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's saying there is no other gospel. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. I preach Christ crucified and resurrected. He says there's no need to adopt any law. If the righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. He's saying the death of Christ proves this point. The death of, death of Christ means the law is no longer the means by which we live for God or live righteously. It's faith in God that makes us right with God. See, all the glory goes to Christ now. It's nothing that I've done. He purchased it for me. This, their present desire to find security in the sign of circumcision, and, and that's a big part with denomination. They follow the rules for security that if they die, for sure they'll make it to heaven. And they live under a bondage all of their life that I have to do this and I have to do that for security that I'm going to heaven. So these Gentiles were getting circumcised because if you get circumcised, for sure when you die, the angel's going to look, okay, you're circumcised, you can come in. I don't know how he can tell how the women could get in, but he could tell the men could get in there. Anyway... He's saying, he's saying, your security and identification cannot be in a denomination 
or net people's group or anything else, your identification that will bring security is only in Christ Jesus and Him being your Savior and your Lord. Therefore, you boast, I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. How do you know you're going to heaven? Because when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he became, he, my sins were washed away and he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. Yeah, but don't you know you got to do this? Do, uh-uh, no, no. Don't tell me none of that stuff, you're, you witch. <laughs> Paul says, don't bewitch me. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, not by what I do, not by what I wear or how I do it, etc., etc., etc. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, don't bewitch me. I don't listen to witches. That's what Paul said in the Greek. You can, you can see he was strong here. Paul indicates that he is on their side and committed to them in spite of their actions at the movement. In other words, the, the Jews are pulling them in out of the truth and bringing them back into the old tradition. The one thing he wishes to learn is, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or did you receive the Spirit when you heard about it by faith? There's a contrast be, be, between observing the law and believing the law. He said the one who gave them his spirit and worked miracles among them, it wasn't because they were observing the law. It was because they believed in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Believing what they learned. Tradition in the Old Testament annihilates the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then, the, then it starts putting all the emphasis on human effort, human effort. And Paul appeals to the fact that they are already experiencing losses on the account of the gospel. How foolish it would be to lose the gospel also that they have suffered for nothing and would end up with nothing. And you know, that's not just because of tradition and the spirit of religion. The enemy tries to come in, and my wife and I knows this, this evangelist that was real famous back in the 80s, an awesome man of God, could sing, preach, teach, and everything. But he, he, he started going off into a wrong doctrine. He first got into oneness doctrine, and then he got into, ma, uh, not mahogany, but uh, more than one wife, mahogany. Monogamy, you know, he, Mormonism type thing. He, you know, bigamy, yeah, thank you. He was a bigot. Anyway, he started getting different stuff. And the, I, I talked to Nicky Cruz last year, and he's in coast, bought, he bought some acreage in Costa Rica, and he started in a cult. Polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah. He started in a cult. That you can have all the wives you want to. They live in Costa Rica. Just fine and Danny. He says, but, but yet, God used you so mightily. But then you got off in one area. Why give up everything God's given you for some error? Cause others to fall by the wayside. Mm. There's so much here. I ain't got time to go into it. But go study this, this Galatians chapter 3. All about Abraham believing. And there was no law. He just believed and therefore he received. It'll free you from thinking. You know, I know I'm going to heaven. You know, you hear people say it at funerals. I know my grandmother is in heaven. How do you know? Oh, she was in church every time it opened. Praise God for that, but that doesn't mean she's in heaven. Did she accept Jesus? Yeah, then she's in heaven, whether she was in church all the time or not. Did she love Jesus? Oh, she loved Jesus. Then that's how you know she's in heaven. Not because she left a pew with her name on it. 
It's all because of knowing Jesus. That's the security. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to show you something. Romans chapter 7, verse 12. It says, but still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy, right, and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law. It is the spirit... for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin and that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who can free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. I love it here in the Living Bible. The answer is Jesus Christ, my Lord. (laughs) The law shows me all the sin that I'm doing wrong, but even knowing it doesn't change me. So what can change me? The law? No! Jesus Christ, my Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. I want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So how do I get free? Jesus. If I'm going to boast in something, I'm going to boast in Jesus. Guess what the law is for? Well, the law is holy. So what's the law good for? The law brings you to Jesus. That's why the law came upon Jesus. He became the curse for all the disobedience on a law that could not be obeyed by any human being. He died in the place for all the disobedience of all the people who ever lived. And the law was used from the day of Moses to the day of Christ just to bring the people to Jesus. And then Jesus started a new era. He started a new kingdom. He says, you're not going to be able to obey it, but I'm going to come live on the inside of you. My spirit's going to make you alive, and I'm going to enable you to live the life. And when you do fail because of the sinful nature that still exists in you, well, the penalty's not going to be on you. The penalty was already on me, so I already took care of the sins that were even going to cause you to fall after you receive Christ. I've covered you totally by the blood. Well, that's powerful, huh? 
Romans chapter 8 verse 1 goes on. So then, so now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation to those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him. So anybody ever tries to condemn you? you no, don't receive it. Now if you live according to the flesh, you feel guilty and convicted. But if you live, you're living for Christ, you don't have to. And because you belong to him, the power. Listen to this. Because you belong to him, the power. Somebody shout out the power. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law could not save anybody. They all had to go where? They had to go to paradise. They couldn't go to heaven. They had to go to purgatory. I'm sorry. They had to go to purgatory. They couldn't go to heaven. Jesus had to die, go into purgatory. And all those people who died under the law received the blood of Jesus Christ and was taken back up to, birth, to heaven. And so he, it says that he led captivity captive. So God did what the law could not do. God did what? What the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice of sin. It wasn't about, oh, let's see how many of the law they're doing. No, it, your freedom's not based on how much of the law you could do. Your freedom is based... Jesus paid for it once and for all. Wow. He put an end of sin because of his sacrifice. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who are no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. The law was satisfied. Are you obeying the law? Jesus obeyed it for me. He won my freedom by obeying the law and giving me the blessing of what he gained for me by obeying the law. Perfection. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about what pleases the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. You get back under the law because the law has to lead you back to life. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws. You heard that? It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. You can try to live underneath any type of control, but there's still going to be sin lurking somewhere in the members of our body. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But those who are not controlled by your sinful nature, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. The law will not stop you from sinning, but now the Spirit of Christ can. Ha, ha, ha. For if you live by its dictates, you will die, the flesh. But if through the power of the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, so you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins us, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His what? His law confirms that we're His children? By what we do confirms that we are His children. His Spirit 
When you walk down the aisle and you accept Christ, when you kneel in your room, when you say, Jesus, come to my heart, you are a child of God. Right there. And it confirms you are a child of God. Hallelujah. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Amen. So let me finish here. Faith bonds us to Christ and grants us total help, divine uh, protection, and uh, freedom from destruction and wrath to come. Redemption requires that a person take a step of faith and that the reign of the kingdom starts and the spirit of God starts writing God's laws within our heart. And it says there that uh, everything that I, I can ever boast about becomes nothing. And I'll just finish with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. You can read it later. He says, I can give my body to be burned. I can give my life as a martyr. I can give all my goods to the poor. Now he's talking to New Testament saints. He's saying, I can do everything in the world to, to meet everybody's needs. But if I don't have the spirit of Christ living in the spirit of love, I'm just a sounding symbol. So there is no boasting in nothing except now I'm Christ-like. If Christ can be in seeing me, then he'll be glorified and we'll boast about what Christ is doing in you and what Christ is doing in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this? Hallelujah. Amen. We're free. Amen. We're free. Don't let nothing of your past bother you. Don't let nobody bring you underneath the conviction. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. No, I'm free. Because boasting just says, I'm better than you. God accepts me more than you. Guess what? It says over and over again, and I have the scriptures, but I don't have time to go there. God is no respecter of persons. You got that, church? God is no respecter of persons. Another place to say, he doesn't make acceptance of one and not the other. No one, a minister is not better than a sheep. We're all the same at the cross. Amen. Boasting does not mean we're more, Boasting means I think I'm more acceptable than others. I'm more deserving than others. I can achieve more than others. I'm more sufficient than others. I'm more adequate than others. And I don't have any need beyond myself in the world. That is all but false boasting and religion. I cannot earn things from God. It comes by believing and trusting in Him. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. Because if not, I'll just keep on going. Hallelujah. Lord, I just praise you, Father, for you have set us free. And we just thank you that, Lord, even tonight, that even the stronghold of any form of spirit of religion in this area that doesn't exalt you, that boasts in its history, that boasts in its denominational beliefs, that any area that we boast about being non-denominational, any boasting. Lord, we ask you to forgive us that, Lord, that the heart cry of Senla will be about Jesus the Christ. And, Lord, may the churches and the denominations, may we be able to come together in unity and perfect love and harmony, not fighting over differences of belief because that avails to nothing. That's man. But may we come together to exalt and glorify and make our boast in Jesus Christ in the cross, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Lord, I just pray freedom over every one of us, our minds, our hearts, our traditions, our belief system may be renewed in Christ as Paul was trying to get into the heart of his spiritual children. Don't let anyone... Try to control you or manipulate or bring you back down. 
or bring you under the control of a certain spirit of religion. But be free in Christ Jesus. For Christ has fulfilled all things for you and over your life. Lord, we praise you. We have been freed from this body of death and destruction. We've been freed from the control of sin. To better walk according to the spirit and live pleasing in you. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you're free, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Well, listen, we'll be here to pray with you if you have needs. Hug a neck. Tell somebody that you love them. Don't forget tomorrow night, women's mentoring, men's mentoring Friday. And we'll be 930, 915 Sunday school, Sunday morning. We love you. God bless you. Amen.